Welcome to the podcast of Palmetto Baptist Church. Thank you for tuning in. We pray that the following message will help you connect, grow, and serve in your relationship with God and others. Take your Bibles and turn with me to Acts chapter 2. We're going to take just a few moments and look at this passage. Last week we saw the gift of the Holy Spirit. This week we're going to see the gift of the gospel and we'll take a real high level view, look at it, and be encouraged mostly by the things we've witnessed today, but what we've witnessed today, I want to make sure you understand and it's grounded in Scripture. You know, one of the marks of a holy and healthy church is that they open the Bible to hear what it says, to learn what it says, and then to live what it says. So let's do that this morning. While you're turning there to Acts chapter 2, let me ask you this question. What are you afraid of? What are you afraid of? Here's the top 10 list of what people said they are most afraid of in America. Number 10, fear of commitment. Number nine, fear of spiders. Number eight, fear of rejection. Number seven, fear of failure. Number six, fear of death. Number five, fear of people. Number four, fear of the dark. Number three, fear of heights. Number two, fear of public speaking. Aren't you glad you're not up here today? And number one, fear of flying. Uh, That's quite a list. Did you know there's even fears associated with the church? As a matter of fact, let me give you four of those. Ecclesiophobia, do you know what that is? That's a fear of coming to church. Hamarterophobia is a fear of sinning. Hierophobia is a fear of pastors. And then homilophobia is a fear of what I'm doing right now, giving a sermon. Now, I don't know what your fears are in a church or what your fears are personally, but I do know this, that most of us are fearful about sharing the gospel of Christ with someone else. As a matter of fact, Peter, prior to the passage that we look at today, was afraid to share the gospel. He was afraid to speak up. Even the little girl that said, hey, aren't you one of Jesus' followers? He was afraid to acknowledge that he was a follower of Jesus, even when accused of that by a little girl. But what we're going to see in this passage is that Peter becomes a bold an engaging witness for Jesus. Just like we've seen the engaging witness here at the Lord's table and in baptism today, the Bible says all of us who are followers of Jesus are to be witnesses. The question is, what do we say and how do we say it? And that's really what Peter answers for us today. Now, I I want to spend a, a little bit of time just reading this passage to you and honestly letting the text talk to you. And then I'm just going to give you a few little outline points about what each section that we read is saying so that you'll understand what the gospel is, what the first Christian sermon recorded in the Bible is when someone besides Jesus preached it. And this is the Apostle Peter, and he puts together as an ordinary and what he calls uneducated person a really incredible sermon that helps us understand what the gospel is. And then from not just what Peter says, but how he says it, I want us to walk away not only knowing what the gospel is that we share, but having a right heart to be always ready to share it. Here's what the Bible says. If you want to pick up in verse 14, you can read along in your Bible or see the words on the screen in front of you. 
But Peter, standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice and addressed them. Now remember, this is the crowd that gathered around after the tongues of fire and the wind and all that occurred there as people heard the gospel in their own language from the Holy Spirit's work. Peter stood up and began to help them. He lifted up his voice and addressed them. And here's what he said, verse 14. Men of Judah and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give ear to my words. For these people are not drunk, as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day. But this is what was uttered by the prophet Joel. And in the last days it shall be, God declares that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy and your young men will see visions, your old men will dream dreams. Even on my male servants and female servants in those days I shall pour out my spirit and they shall prophesy. And I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the day of the Lord comes, the great and magnificent day. And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That great passage, of course, from the Old Testament that talks about the name of the Lord and salvation. Pick up in verse 22 when he begins to not just quote scripture from Joel, but now he begins to preach his sermon in earnest. Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst. As you know, this Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, you crucified him and killed him by the hands of lawless men. But God raised him up, loosing the pains of death because it was not possible for him to be held by it. And then he quotes scripture again in verse 25. For David says concerning him, I saw the Lord always before me, for he sat at my right hand that I may not be shaken. Therefore, my heart was glad and my tongue rejoiced. In other words, we have reason to worship because of the resurrection. My flesh will also dwell in hope. For you have not abandoned my soul to Hades or let the Holy One see corruption. You have made known to me the paths of life. You will make me full of gladness with your presence. Here he picks up preaching again after he's quoted more scripture. Verse 29. Brothers, I may say to you with confidence about the patriarch David that he both died and was buried, and his tomb is with us to this day. Being therefore a prophet and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him that he would set one of his descendants on the throne, he foresaw and spoke about the resurrection of the Christ, that he was not abandoned to Hades, nor did his flesh see corruption. This Jesus God raised up. And of what and of that we are all witnesses, being therefore exalted at the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has poured out this Spirit that you yourselves are seeing and hearing. For David did not descend into the heavens, but he himself says, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. And then he goes on and continues to preach again. Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. Now when, he, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and to the rest of the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you too will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. 
Now, that's a long reading this morning from God's Word, but the long reading reminds us of the gift of the gospel that we receive. Just like we may have remembered our own baptism when we were watching Donnie be baptized, or we may remember our first communion when we took communion, the, the Bible says to us that we step back and remember this gospel through the very first Christian message that was ever preached. Twenty messages, twenty sermons recorded in the book of Acts, nine by Peter himself, and here's the first one, and I don't know what he thought of his first sermon, but it's recorded for us here and teaches us six essential lessons. Now, when you hear six essential lessons, you go, oh my goodness, we'll be here till two o'clock. Well, as much fun as that would be for me, I know we may not be able to hear that much sermon after already such a wonderful worship service. So I'm not going to try to dig into every part, but what I am going to try to do is outline the biblical teaching that Peter followed so that we can walk away with the content of the gospel. And and here's the first lesson that Peter uh, preaches, the first point that he makes, and it's this, that Jesus' life and ministry fulfilled prophecy. In other words, Peter said Jesus is really who God said that he was and really who Jesus claimed to be, which was the Messiah. And what does he do? He points to prophecy. He goes back to Joel, and from the book of Joel, he begins to say, this is who the Messiah was, and this is the the Holy Spirit that's going to come after the Messiah comes, and this is what the Holy Spirit's going to do. And what you're witnessing right now with the coming of the Holy Spirit, that's what's happening in this moment, and it testifies to the fact that Jesus is really who he says he is. But not only this first point is made that prophecy points to Jesus, but Peter makes a second point, and this is the second point that he makes in verse 22, that Jesus works while he was on earth revealed that he was God also. The things Jesus did, the lessons he taught, the ministry he had, the healing that he did, the the miracles of walking on water and of feeding people, all of those things pointed to the fact that Jesus was the Messiah. As a matter of fact, in one simple verse, verse 22, he says, Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works, wonders, and signs. He's saying all of these things are flashing lights pointing to the fact that Jesus was who he said he was. Now, Peter's doing here exactly what John would do in John's gospel. John's gospel is a little different than the other gospels and kind of telling the narration of the stories of Jesus moving about the earth. John would would take a different approach when he would say there were seven signs that Jesus performed that said he was the son of God. And what we see in those signs is there was an aspect of Jesus' divinity that was always on display. And here, Peter's doing the same thing. He's saying all the signs that you could see when you said Jesus teaches with power. No one does the kinds of things that you do. You are one is having authority, is how they would say it. And they would say, Jesus is really a special person. He's saying here, he's special because he was revealing God to us. Now, here's a third thing that he says that is a part of the gospel. It's the fact that Jesus' death was God's plan. Look at verse 23. This Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan, not just any plan, not not just a general plan, but a specific definite plan that had unique elements associated with it, and Jesus fulfilled all of the 
specifics of what that plan was. And the Bible tells us that God had a purpose of doing this. Now, he goes on to say that there was man's side of it. You crucified him. Lawless people did this. Wicked people did this. People put Jesus upon the cross. But the whole time, the Bible has this beautiful picture of though the world is doing what the world does, God never loses control. He never stops being in charge. He never stops accomplishing what his plans are. Job in his suffering would say the same thing. He would say, who can thwart the plans of God, even his own personal suffering? All the way to the very cross of Jesus, the Bible says, God was working through the works that people did to accomplish his work. What a sovereign, good, and holy God he really is. Here's the fourth thing that he teaches us about the gospel. Not only the death of Jesus Christ, but there is a focus upon the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Jesus' resurrection vindicated all of the life that he lived. A lot of people thought, well, he lived his life and then he died upon the cross. What a terrible loss. What a terrible waste. But it wasn't a waste because it was accomplishing the purpose that Peter said it was accomplishing according to the plan of God. And that plan was authorized. It was vindicated. It was proven to be true. It was shown to be real through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And when Jesus walked away from that grave, it was the climax of God's multiple thousands of years of work to bring about the redemption of mankind and to put on display in the Lord's Supper and through baptism what happens in the life of an individual believer every time someone repents of their sin and places their faith in Jesus. Here's the fifth thing in his sermon that he outlines. It's found in verse 33, that Jesus' exaltation identifies him as truly God. Verse 33 says, being therefore exalted at the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has poured out this Holy Spirit that you yourselves are seeing. You see, the Holy Spirit couldn't come until the second person of the Trinity returned to heaven. That's what Joel's prophecy was about, that when the second person of the Trinity has finished his work, then he'll return to heaven, be seated at the right hand of the Father, and the Holy Spirit will be poured out upon the people of God, upon the church, upon individual believers like you and me who live our lives in Jesus Christ. And Jesus would say this, because of the work of the Holy Spirit, we will do greater works than Jesus did. That's an astounding thing given the works that Jesus did. But what he was saying is we would permeate the world we would go to every continent in the world and share the gospel. We'd go to every people group and share the gospel. We would travel throughout the centuries and millennia sharing with people again and again the hope and the beauty of what God was doing in Jesus Christ. And all of this gives glory to Christ. Why? Because God was accomplishing His work of redeeming for Himself a family to be in right relationship with Him for all of eternity. And here's the final thing, the final lesson of Peter's sermon. It's found in verses 37 through 39 when he says that the people were cut to the heart and they asked the question, what shall we do? See, what he's saying is we preach the gospel to all people and we let the Holy Spirit do the work and God's Holy Spirit will do the work of salvation in those who respond by faith and obedience. Because when they ask, what shall we do? 
verse 38, Peter says, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you too shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. You see today people are asking, what shall we do? And, and here's how they answer. If they're a legalist, they say, well, let's do more works of righteousness and let's earn God's favor. But one sin and God cannot look upon just that one sin. And the Bible teaches us that we all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The moralist says, oh, well, I just hope my good deeds will outweigh my bad deeds when I stand at the judgment seat of Christ. But the Bible says the weight of that one sin cannot be overcome by any or all of our good deeds combined. Some people will appeal to race or ethnicity that's what the Jewish people did. But are we not the children of Abraham? But it doesn't matter what race or nationality or ethnicity you are. Some will say, well, doesn't everyone just go to heaven? No, that's not what the Bible says. The Bible is very clear that there's coming a day of judgment and the sheep will be ushered into heaven and the goats will be ushered into an eternal punishment, a place the Bible calls Hades or hell here in this passage. The ritualist will say, well, let's just go through the motions and somehow I hope that it will open up to me the kingdom of God. That's not what the Bible's consistent answer from Genesis to Revelation is. The consistent answer from Revelation is exactly what Jesus identified in the very first sermon that he preached. Mark chapter 1 and verse 15 records it. Repent and believe for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That was Jesus' first and constant message. It would be his message if he stood in the pulpit here at Palmetto today. He would say, repent and believe. And if you've begun that journey through repentance and faith in Jesus Christ, don't end. Continue on in that journey and let the Holy Spirit continue to do the work in you of making you the child of God that he desires for you to be. You see, that's the message here, the message we've just seen, those six points that I put on the slides in front of you, the six points of Peter's sermon that says this is the gift of the gospel. This is the gospel that we can proclaim. This is the gospel that was first proclaimed. And not only do we have the content of the gospel, but we should in turn do something with that gospel. And I think what Peter did with the gospel was threefold. It was that Peter had courage and his courage teaches us to be bold. You'll see that come up with some slides here in just a moment. He wants us to be bold in our witness for Jesus Christ. Not bold in the sense of being brash or, or being offensive, but he wants us to be bold to point people to Jesus through the life that we live. And that boldness just simply takes on this identity uh, like Peter where before he was timid and afraid and ashamed and unsure and now because of the work of the Holy Spirit and because of the beauty of what God had done in the gospel in his own life, he just simply said, you can tell us to be quiet if you want to, but we can't help but tell what it is God has done for us. Listen, when you're really saved, when you're really a child of God, you can't help but tell what God has done for you. The second thing that Peter teaches us is that he made a connection with people. And his connection encourages us to engage. We live in a world that's disengaged, more connected than we have ever been, but less engaged than maybe we have ever been. And the idea is that we're to be engaged with people and make connections with them in order to become a bridge. That's why the Bible says we are Christ's ambassadors and God has chosen to make his appeal for others to come to faith in Christ through you. 
The final thing that the Bible tells us is that Peter was just really simple and clear. If you go back to those six points, he just looks at the prophecy. He looks at the evidence of Jesus' life. He looks at his death, his burial, his resurrection, his exaltation. He looks at these things and says, here is the gospel in a nutshell. In other words, we don't have to make it terribly complicated. As a matter of fact, I find that the very best way to share the message of Jesus Christ is to share your own story, to say, before I knew Jesus, this was my life. And then I came to a point in my life of saving faith where I believed in Jesus and confessed to Jesus my sin of unbelief and asked him to forgive me. And then afterwards, here is my life in Christ. And none of us are perfect either before, during, or after that salvation experience, but we can point to Jesus as the author and as the perfecter of our faith. You see, you're Christ's ambassadors. He's declaring this message through. I I love the story uh, that David McCullough tells in his book, The Trivialization of God. It was by Nav Press in 1995. And he tells the story of Harold Vidden, who became a a hero in Great Britain on January 21st of 1930, when the King of England, King George V, was making an address to the world. And a CBS reporter tripped over a cord, broke the cord in half that was going to communicate the message to the American people, one of the chief allies in an important time and season in Great Britain's history, and he was no longer as king going to be able to declare the message that he had to share. But Harold did something courageous. He took the two sides of the severed cord and held it together and As he held it together, the message communicated through that cord was not only communicated through the cord, but the pulse of electricity went surging through his body for five minutes as the king communicated the message to the American people. You know, the Bible says that the king of kings is looking to communicate his message through you. As a matter of fact, the Bible uses these terms. He's making his appeal through you. (laughs) The glory of the gospel for you as an individual, for us as a church, the responsibility to share the message as a church and to show and share the message as individual believers, that's ours. Would you bow your head and close your eyes with me this morning? Thank you for giving me a few extra minutes today to communicate Acts chapter 2 with you. My hope is that you not only see the beauty of the gospel, but you also see the blessings of the gospel. My hope is that you hear as a church of this glorious gospel that's put on display through our ministry, through our message, and through our members, but also that you understand your responsibility as an individual to be a messenger of Jesus Christ, an ambassador for Christ, letting God make his appeal through you. So we close our service today. We're going to have Jed come and lead us in song, a time of worship. But during our time of worship, it may become an important moment for you, a moment for you to profess your faith in Jesus Christ, to say, I need to follow Jesus. And if you're here today and you've never repented of your sin or placed your faith in Jesus, I invite you to do that today. You can make your way here to the front, share that with me, and I'll be glad to share the gospel with you. You can find one of the pastors in the back. You can stop us after the service is over. You can come forward after the service is over and find me or one of the pastors. And we'll be more than happy to share with you how you can come to faith in Jesus Christ and begin that new journey. But my guess is there are many of you in the room that have already done that. And the question is going to be, what do you do with this gospel message 
as you stand to sing and worship the Lord for what he has done for you. And today, like Peter, he would simply say, connect, share. It's just such a simple message. That's that third point, and it's just such a simple and clear message. Jesus lived a perfect and sinless life. He died upon a cross to pay the price for sin. He rose again victorious over sin and death. And through faith and repentance, we can receive the gift of eternal life. Maybe for many of us today, it's a commitment to share that simple message that God's calling us to share with others. Maybe there's somebody the Lord puts on your heart to share that message with. Maybe it's where you work. Maybe it's where you teach. Maybe it's with a neighbor or friend. I'm going to lead us in a word of prayer. We'll stand and sing and let the Lord speak to us and encourage us with his words today. Father, thank you. Thank you for this passage of Scripture. Thank you for what we've been a part of today. Lord, as we pause now to close in worship, as we sing, may you hear the praises of our heart, but also the meditations of our mind. Lead us by your Spirit in the commitments that you would have us to make. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.